This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Charlie Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. After months of mayoral madness, the people of Denver have elected Mike Johnston as our next mayor. Me and producer Paul Caroli have got analysis and a full breakdown of what happened on Tuesday night. Today is Wednesday, June 7th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Here we are. We are uh, recording here at 10.15 p.m. Oh, 10.28 p.m. on Election Day in CityCast Denver's election headquarters, <laughs> a.k.a. Bree's living room. Um, we just got an update from Denver Elections, uh, probably the second to last one of the night. But more importantly, uh, Kelly Bruff has conceded. So it looks like Mike Johnston will be Denver's next mayor. Bree. Yeah. What are your first impressions? I mean, this was kind of a lackluster situation. I wanted to read a couple of tweets uh, that I found funny about this. Um, David Sirota, noted uh, huge Democrat out of Colorado, has done a lot of right. I mean, he's, he's worked on campaigns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a progressive voice. Uh, he Speech said, writer for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I was going to say most most notably. Uh, but also, I mean, just journalist. He's he, he's a voice I, I look to just out of curiosity as to what he was thinking about this. Uh, he said, this year's Denver mayoral runoff was the first time in my life that I sent in my ballot with a deliberate undervote, which means he did not vote. Mm-hmm. It was the most nauseating and oligarchic race I've ever seen. It wasn't an election. It was an auction. And so I took Monty Brewster's advice. And then he has a screen grab of Richard Pryor from the movie uh, Brewster's Millions. And it's just Richard Pryor standing in front of a sign that says none of the above. Um, Interesting. Yeah. What a great movie. (laughs) Perfect take. Uh, What do you think he's getting at there? I mean, I think he's getting at what a lot of folks that were initially really excited about this election felt after we got to the runoff stage where... You and I were talking earlier, like the excitement of the 17 candidates mm-hmm. and the the future, the unknowing future. There were so many different visions of the future available. It was like, oh, this candidate has this very specific thing that resonates with me. At least that's how I felt. Like, I was just so frustrated when people were like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed by the amount of candidates. It's like, no, you got all these choices, all these <laughs> yeah. different, you know, flavors of possible futures of your lives. Like, this is exciting. And- so I don't know. That that's what I'm taking from from Sirota's comments here. Yeah, I uh I I I don't know if I fully agree with the the strength of that take, but I will say I was not super stoked to mm-hmm. be uh honest. I didn't fill out or turn in my ballot until today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to my <laughs> usual ballot drop off as I always do at Barnum Rec Center and who did I run into? Clerk and recorder 
friend of the show, Paul Lopez, and he looked about as exhausted as I felt about it. So um, he and his team seem to have crushed it as usual. Yes, they were they were in there doing the work that makes this whole thing happen. So, you know, shout out to the clerk and recorder's office. We appreciate the work they do. Uh, okay, Adam Caton Holland, also a great take. Comedian here in Denver. I grew up reading his column, What's So Funny, in Westward. Um, but he said, <laughs> imagine being excited about this Denver mayoral election. What must that be like? And I feel like that's a little bit more how I feel. Yeah. Is like, for people like us who watch this day in and day out, we were not super pumped. We were pumped to get together, hang out, eat Chinese food, and talk about everything else but the election, if you didn't notice tonight, Paul. Uh-huh. And I think Adam's on to something is like, they're just the excitement was not there. Yeah. So. Well, but a lot of people are excited here, though. I mean, Mike Johnston had a lot of supporters, and we, we should say, I mean, this is mayor-elect Mike Johnston. That's the first time we can say that. That means something. How does that feel? How does that hit your ear? You know, I'm excited regardless because it's someone new. We've been talking about this again behind the scenes on this show quite a bit is the narrative. What is the narrative of Denver? What's the narrative for the next era of Denver that we are currently living in? And I am excited for that notion. Mm -hmm. I think Mike has some interesting ideas, uh, like we've talked about with him on the show around housing, a big thing for him. Uh, arguably one of the biggest points in this election, though I don't think it panned out or played out the way I thought it was going to as an issue. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm excited for something new. And uh, whoever it was going to be, it's going to be someone who's not Hancock. So those of us who have maybe been very critical of Hancock have a chance to start over, uh, clean slate, and say, what do we want to hold this mayor accountable for? What do we want to see them do? What do we want to see Mike do differently? Because he's got a chance to do something different. Right, right. And that's our job now. I mean, he's made some big promises on the campaign trail. A lot of a lot of promises about, you know, where he's going to get the money for all these big plans that he laid out yeah. there. The one, the the most high profile claim I think he made was he said he's going to end unsanctioned homelessness in his first term. Yeah. You know, now he's got to actually do that. And that's going to be hard. I think about, I think so much about Hickenlooper's 10 year plan to end homelessness, Denver's road home. And it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I love that promise. I I agree. Uh, you and I and our fellow folks in the media, as well as constituents, get to hold Mike to that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we definitely will be asking him about that. I'm sure you will hear from him in the next couple of months on this show, no doubt. Um, well, if this is the first time that you're tuning in to yeah. this election and you which haven't heard the name Mike Johnston before, which I assume is some people, um, that's totally a fine way to live your life. Uh, Mike Johnston <laughs> is a former candidate for governor, for senator. He lost those races. Uh, he was a teacher, a school principal. That's kind of where he made his first mark. He got a lot of national attention. Obama famously visited his school here in right. Denver. Um, He was the CEO of Gary Community Ventures, where he helped get Prop 123, a lot of affordable housing money from the state passed. Um, He was a graduate of Yale and Harvard. Uh, His family has a lot of money from their boutique hotel in Vail, which we were looking at the listings for online earlier. Can we get a press pass to stay (laughs) at that hotel? I think it's our obligation as journalists to go and stay at that fancy hotel in Vail. Stay at that. And I don't ski, so I'm just going to be in that room the whole time. Mm -hmm. And also of this big, diverse field, 
Yeah. He is a white man. And you know what's so interesting about this, Paul, to me is um, one of the I'm thinking about the big criticisms of this race, which were money. Right. Mm-hmm. Who uh, Kelly Kelly raised a lot of money. Mike raised a lot of money. And yeah. there was a lot of questions around why is Mike getting money from outside? Who cares about Denver that much? Um, but when it came down to these uh, other 15 candidates that had been on the ballot with them, uh, when it shook out, a majority of the folks that were making endorsements endorsed Mike. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, these are leaders of color in our community. These are um, people that have been deeply rooted in our community. And I, I, again, I think it's an accountability thing, I hope, that they're going to hold him accountable. But I also wonder who we're going to see appointed yeah. in the next um, couple of months. Yeah, I mean, there was so much talk about backroom deals and rumors yeah. and anonymous sources in here. And all, I mean, we can all, I, mean, I, th- we can I hope we can speculate all we want, but that. like, but like politics, that's politics, Paul. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, not to undermine those criticisms, but like, if you dig into anybody's appointees, there's somebody that knows somebody. <laughs> For sure. For so, sure. but, uh, but you know, like I, I'm thinking about Annie and Tafoya, Lisa Calderon, um, you, Terrence Roberts, like who, at least uh, uh, the biggest one, honestly, to me, Leslie Harrod, she really stepped out and supported him. Um, so I'm curious who we're going to see working alongside this mayor. I would be excited for all of those folks to have a hand in whatever the next uh, stage of Denver looks like, but we'll see. But where, uh, Paul, where do the votes stand right now? Um, well, right now, yeah. I mean, it's important to say that this is not official. The official right. results aren't going to be in until June 20th. But what we do know for sure is that of the 131,969 votes that have been counted, 54% went for Johnston, 46% went for Bruff. Um, now, turnout-wise, uh, in 2019, this is just a benchmark. This is the runoff between Michael Hancock and Jamie Gillis. There was about a 39% turnout. So far, as of tonight, we have 160,914 ballots, or around 36% of ballots sent back. So comparable, I would say. Maybe a little lower, but it's also still early. We'll see. We'll see by June 20th. Always interesting to look at those races, too, just because at that point we were looking at an incumbent and a newcomer to politics. And at this point, we are looking at a someone who has been in politics and a newcomer to politics. So, um, okay, well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about those council races. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is, like, surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This episode is brought to you by the Denver Botanic Gardens. It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. 
registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. <laughs> Shop from 15 different plant divisions, including annuals, house plants, herbs and veggies, and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag, and plants grown right at the gardens. The garden's horticulture staff will be on site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org. Okay, and we're back. Um, one thing we know, what time is it, Paul? It's 10.39 10 p.m. 10.39 p.m. This is what we know so far. We uh, we know that Kelly Bruff has conceded. Uh, Mike Johnston is the next mayor of Denver. But we also had these council race runoffs um, that we talked about being potentially a big shakeup. There was this slate of progressive candidates that were running sort of as a coalition. Um, I think it was five candidates on that slate. Um, we ended up with three of them. Yeah, we ended up with three of them in these runoffs. Um, but let's talk about okay let's just start with the first race let's start with district or should we st sorry <laughs> district seven went to flora alvidrez yeah we already knew that her Nick, challenger her decided to take himself out of the race so we knew that flora was going to win she was on the ballot and she got a couple thousand votes anyway mm -hmm. uh but next up was district eight and let's talk about what's going on in District 8. All right. So District 8 was the race between Brad Rivera and Chantel Lewis. Um, and I would say this one is the closest race of the night. Mm -hmm. um, so of the 11,656 votes counted so far, Rivera is sitting at 50.33% and Lewis is 49.6%. So that's less than 100 votes. I think we're not only going to be counting this for the rest of the week but we're going to be talking about this one for another couple weeks you think so yeah i, think I mean so. i guess with something that close if we're looking at right now it's less than 100 vote difference it is going to be really really down to the wire mm -hmm. um this race i have to say in covering it I, I these candidates were offering very similar prospects mm -hmm. i think in terms of things they wanted to work on they were both really big about affordable housing they were both talking about transit issues they were both talking about equity um so i could see voters in district 8 having a little bit of a struggle like who both of these seem pretty great um the thing with Chantel to me is that she was part of this sort of progressive slate of candidates but i will be honest looking at all of the candidates that were on that slate, she was the most pragmatic to me and sort mm -hmm. of more of a behind the scenes person than a, she's not a center stage person to me in terms I of mean, like, she doesn't need the spotlight. It's, she she wants to go to work oh, for, for the city. Uh, she is coming off of a term on the RTD board. Yeah. Can you imagine a more no. thankless elected position in Cannot. this city? Like <laughs> what a tedious work and she was doing it for years uh so i i totally agree and then on the other hand rivere he's the establishment guy he had the endorsement yeah, of the the current council person for this seat oh. chris herndon so i think yeah i mean they may have had very similar policies in the end but um that definitely is the distinction between them is he's the establishment guy she is the progressive and okay. uh, we'll see who pulls out that's a that's a very thank you for making that distinction because Policies aside, who we when we talk about endorsements, that can mean a lot. 
for some, you know, for some voters. Um, okay, District Nine, the most watched race to me in this whole whole runoff election, <laughs> hands down. Uh, District Nine, what's what's happening there, Paul? District Nine turned out to be a bit of a lopsided one. Yeah. So this one was super close. It was between the incumbent Candy Sedabaka and the challenger Daryl Watson. Um, Sedabaka has been a firebrand, progressive voice on council. We've called her the lone no vote for how often she splits with the other 12 council people. And uh, as a result, she had a lot of these more powerful establishment figures in the city just waiting, waiting to to support somebody against her in this race. And that's exactly what happened. Daryl Watson was a huge fundraiser and he won a ton of votes. Um, as of now, he's got 63% of the votes counted. He's already declared victory. He declared victory earlier in the night. This is the end of uh, Candy Sidabaka's time on city council. The thing I, I found interesting about this was uh, Daryl Watson lost a city council bid in 2007, mm-hmm. so he was not totally unfamiliar to some voters, though that was a long time ago. Um, but Candy was the incumbent. And uh, like you said, she's progressive, firebrand. That's what got her elected, right? Mm-hmm. She unseated an incumbent herself. Albus Brooks, was uh, who was... Who, who, who she unseated, was similar to Daryl in that he's the establishment guy. He was a popular, he was, um, I, I would say he was blamed a lot for a lot of the development and change in his district and how things, how the built environment physically looked, whether that criticism was fair or not is, mm-hmm. is, is up to, I don't know. It's it's something, but uh, <laughs> it's up to the listener. It's up to, decide. to the listener to decide. But I just I just find it interesting that she wasn't in. She was the incumbent. She had unseated an incumbent. That district to me, that's a tough one. That's yeah. a really tough one. You don't know. I mean, the voter base really is. It's divided, and that's not a lot. But it's. I mean, the vote count versus like the mayor's election is like not as many votes. You know, that's hundreds of thousands. This is like. This can come down to a couple hundred votes, but that's not how this shook out at all. Yeah. Daryl is. And when people talk about change in this city, this is a district where that change yes. has been felt acutely. I mean, there's giant apartment high rises where there used to be, you know, tiny bungalows, like small, small historic communities, black communities in particular. And uh, yeah, I think we're seeing the results of that change here tonight. Um, also interesting. To me, uh, Daryl was endorsed by by Albus Brooks, the mm-hmm. former council member. Um, also, uh, council members who sat with Candy on council, Debbie Ortega and Chris Herndon, also endorsed him. So, um, I don't know. That was just a that was just a real that was a real race. It was a huge. That was an act. It was we were so close in the first round, and now yes. so not close. Speaking of that, Paul, why do you think that happened? What happened between this race and the runoff for District Nine? Well. Definitely going into this race, there was this clear sense that there was going to be a lot of the establishment looking for a challenger to say to Baca. And it was a three-way race in the first right. round because there was this other candidate, Quan Atlas, who was aligned with Mayor Hancock, who who is the editor of this uh, very like uh, micro-community newspaper, uh, the Five Points Atlas. So it seemed like maybe he was the guy, but now that he's out of the picture, I think all of those Quan Atlas votes went to Daryl Watson. I'm, thank you. I'm just, I'm glad we pointed that out because at first when I saw these numbers, I was like, where did all these Daryl Watson voters come right. from that were not in the first race? But they migrated over from that third, from that third candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, District 10, 
Also, uh, we'll talk about the numbers, but we're not going to call this one yet because nobody has. Yeah, it's this one's a little bit too close. So this was the race between the incumbent Chris Hines against the challenger Shannon Hoffman, who was on this slate of progressives right. that we've been talking about all all campaign cycle long. Um, and Hines was the clear leader after the first round a couple of months ago. And it does look like he is ahead tonight with 57% of the votes counted in his favor. But I agree. I think this one is too close to call. I mean, maybe we'll see later in the week. Maybe we'll see later tonight. Yeah. I I have to say this, this race was interesting to me because I think Shannon was a first timer. Um, She's never run for office before. And I just, uh, I think sometimes what happens in a cool way is that your challenger pushes you to campaign a little harder. And I saw, I think I saw that a little bit here in District 10. Hmm. Like she was really out there in the community talking to people. And I think it pushed Heinz to do the same. Hmm. And maybe it just was reminding them who he was. Because often I think when you're doing a really good job, Sometimes people don't know who you are because nothing's yeah. wrong in your neighborhood. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he is one of those council people where he's not like he's not like out making a stink. He's not like making a big show on social media. He's like kind of uh just show up and do the work kind of guy. That's the impression I've got at least. Totally. And I just I thought it was I, I think about my council person Jamie Torres who who didn't have to run or do anything because she's so popular and she's like kind of the opposite like the person that's out there in the community talking to people but I again I don't think I think you're right I don't think it's that Chris wasn't out there doing that it was just like I think I saw him a little bit more because of this race because of the runoff in particular and I like to see that because to me that says somebody really takes this job seriously they're not taking their voters for granted and they're interested in staying on and sticking with this job it's a tough job yeah yeah. Um, Brie, uh, you mentioned we had Chinese food earlier. Are you up for uh, something fun to finish the show? <laughs> sure, of course. Right. Oh, well, I you thought, saved your fortune cookie? I thought since we're going to have a new mayor, we're going to have this new city council, I might read us a, a special fortune for the okay. occasion. Oh, I should have saved my, my son's fortune was way better than mine. I don't know what I did with it. Okay, I got kind of torn off into the plastic <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> This is going to be a weird fortune. Oh, no. Devotion is worth the effort this time. I don't like that, Paul. (laughs) When do we use the word devotion? Not when we're talking politics and people that represent us. (gasps) Oh, boy. Oh. As of election night here, we for sure have a new mayor, Mike Johnston. Congrats, Mike. Yeah, and he'll be inaugurated uh, July 17th. So we'll obviously be talking about this uh, in the intervening weeks, what this means for the city, what this means for us, what this means for you. Um, Let us know what you think. Yes. I would love to hear what people think about uh, the results here. So leave us a... Leave us one last voicemail or send us a text at the Mayoral Madness at the Mayoral Madness hotline. That number is 720-500-5418. Again, the Mayoral Madness hotline is open for a limited time only. We're closing it soon. The number is 720-500-5418. Help us close this chapter on Mayoral Madness. You guys really stuck it out with us this whole time because we did a lot of coverage and uh, we would love to hear what you thought and how you feel about what what this new version of Denver means to you. The Johnston era. The Johnston Johnston era. Yeah. The belt buckle years. The belt buckle years. (laughs) I'll tell that story sometime. Next time. Next time. 
Well, Paul, we should go, uh, we should uh, retire to our respective homes here <laughs> soon <laughs> and go to bed. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell the concierge at Christiana Lodge about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya! No, 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 no. Mine said, whoops, wrong cookie. Hold on, hold on. I'm not trying to change it. There is nothing permanent except change. (laughs) So. They're all kind of the same at the end of the day. Even the toughest of days have bright spots. Just do your best. I feel like that's that's the one. Just, Just do your best.